Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancakes. Uh, this would be episode 60, I do believe. Yep. This is episode 14 of season 2. So 14 of season 2. Yeah. Sorry, 59. Sorry. Because we did 14 this year. This is 14. We did 45 basically this year. So this is 15. So this episode has started off about as well as the Colts played against the Titans. I was um, sort of I'm sort of fumbling it. That's <laughs> the joke. Um, <laughs> people that have been doing this for years suddenly forget how to speak English and also iterate that the Colts played like crap. Uh, in addition to also didn't have several starters. Several but, key starters and lost them in the middle of the game. Like it was it was a rough game. Yeah. I think we could all say that. Started um, off, that got worse. Start off the show. Let's make sure everybody follows us on the Twitter machine. Jared at Likely Alien, myself. Nice read, Steve. I'm Stephen Reed, by the way. Um, and this is Jared Malott. Mm-hmm. And uh, follow us, the pa- podcast, at, at Pod Pancake. And, thank you. Uh, give us five-star ratings and reviews. Um, thank if you. If you're not sure about us, go ahead and do that now. And then listen to the podcast. Yeah. And then uh, let us know in like a Don't comment. wait to form an opinion after yeah, we just went over the ahead. subject matter. That's you, not be- reasonable. Believe us. <laughs> believe me. So, yeah, um, the, Col- the Colts got beat primarily because they refused to t- tackle Derrick Henry. Uh, and the proof is in the pudding. 27 carries, 178 yards, three tutters, 6.6 yards of carry like a Mack truck. Uh, and then on the other yeah. hand, the Colts couldn't run the ball, brother. That's yeah. That's pretty well, much it, the two. When the week of the game, like on the Wednesday for the game, where you have a player of DeForest Buckner's caliber that gets put on the COVID list, and once he got put on the COVID list, I don't think he really had a shot to play in the game, um, or he might have if he didn't test positive. Once he tested positive, he was done. Right. Um, and so if anything, this game showed everybody, Colts fans, the NFL, how important DeForest Buckner is to this defense and how important a quality three technique is to this defense. Um, right. Without DeForest Buckner, without Danico Autry, I think actually the bigger DeForest Buckner was a huge loss um, in terms of the line of scrimmage. I think in terms of stopping Derrick Henry, Bobby Okereke was a big was was almost as big a loss. Um, 
for the Colts, I'll say this. Everybody likes to pin Rakyasin um, for a lot of um, liabilities that, that he's he's been called for some dumb penalties, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and at inopportune times. And here's my theory on Rakyasin. He is he has a wrestling background. He is aggressive. He's good with his hands. The problem with him is being a wrestler, he doesn't back down, and he almost has an inability to flop. For example, the time the the defensive pass interference he got called against on Corey Davis, um, that gave Tennessee a, a first down when they finally, finally, were going to have a, a, a half to punt in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, on that play, there's a little grab at the line of scrimmage but and a little bit of hold, but that wasn't what the officials called. The officials called the defensive pass interference that happened you know, 15 yards into the route. And what happened on that, if you watch the replay on it, Corey Davis comes in and initiates contact into Rocky Scene, puts his outside arm into Yassine's chest, pushes him away. Yassine reaches out to grab with his arms and catches a hold of Corey Davis. That's what the refs saw. So instead of having Rocky Yassine kind of throw his arms up in the air to accentuate the contact from Corey Davis, who initiated the contact on that, then... Yeah, because he didn't accentuate that contact, he he got called for defensive pass interference, and and that sucks. The other one that he got called for in the end zone when the Tennessee was going to have to kick a field goal in the the first half, um, that was not hands to the face. It flatly wasn't. I got, got people on Twitter commented to me about this, um, and and said, oh well, it definitely was hands to the face. And I was like. No, no, no. He hit him in the helmet at the line of scrimmage because Corey Davis ducked under. Rocky Scene got his helmet. Here's the thing. When a penalty is called hands to the face, you have to put your hands to their face. Right. It's not hands to the head, hands to the side of the helmet, hands to the shoulder pads. It's hands to the face. And Mike and Rocky Scene did not put his hands in Corey Davis's face. It was a bad call by the officials. It was a, a terrible call that cost the Colts four points. And people will say, oh, well, well, he shouldn't have had his hands up. Dude ducked into it. Like, right. he, went to go, he went to go do his jam at the line of scrimmage, which he's supposed to do. Corey Davis ducks under, gets Rocky Scene's jam, got him on the helmet. But he did not touch his face and people, that's what the call is people blaming Rakia Sin for this Colts loss Dude, um, Colts, Colts are, are going to win this are, game are failing to understand the importance of a guy like DeForest Buckner should really be mad at this administration for its failure to control the pan- this pandemic which so caused the Forrest Buckner to miss the game, right? So bigger, the bigger issue in this Colts game, because even without DeForest Buckner, the Colts offense was keeping up with Tennessee. They were 14-14. Um, 
the bigger issue was the loss of Anthony Costanzo. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Anthony Costanzo got hurt on a Jacoby Brissett package Mm -hmm. from like the three yard line where Jacoby Brissett runs himself into Anthony Costanzo's knees. Yeah. So score the touchdown. Like if anybody should be upset, if people should be upset at one player for this loss, it should be Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. Because without him going into Anthony Costanzo's knees, you have a decent left tackle. At that point, Philip Rivers was dealing on those right. first two drives. And you're able to get those running backs out of the backfield. Once you put the Raven Clark in there at left tackle, at Philip Rivers, all of a sudden, he's got happy feet and for good reason. Right. Like, no, we don't, the Colts don't win with Anthony Costanzo, which makes this next game with Anthony Costanzo being ruled out against Houston makes me a little on edge about it because you yeah. know they're lining up J.J. Watt over there. Right. Oh, for sure. And he's going to tee like, off. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's, I mean, if, if you, if you're ready, if you want, we can go right ahead and talk about this upcoming game. Yeah. Cause let's not talk about the Tennessee less. Wait, let me, let me sum it up like this. The Colts with, with the amount of injuries and the amount of players that were out, the Colts were without both of their starting defensive tackles their starting linebacker who plays most like he plays like nine eighty percent of snaps, which is massive for a linebacker. I think only Darius Leonard plays more on the Colts line in the Colts linebacker crew. You were without your starting center, you were without your starting running back, and and you were without your left tackle after the second drive. Those first five people that I named were all out for three of them were out for non injury reasons. Because you happen to be in a pandemic and they they happen to test positive or be in close contact. And so that's really kind of what sucks about this is there was no way for the the team to be prepared for these losses. I mean, Jonathan Taylor got ruled out on Saturday. Like they had a game that their entire game plan is play. Saturday is walkthrough day right. where you install like. If you have any trick plays, you install them on Saturday. You, you do special teams work on Saturday. Um, but at that point, the entire game plan is is there. And you've got to bet that Jonathan Taylor, with the way that he had run the previous two games, previous three games, he was starting to really ramp up. He was the game plan because they wanted to keep the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands if they could. And and Jonathan Taylor going down, it was just a huge, huge loss for that Colts offense. Uh, um, I mean, obviously losing Brian Kelly, not having Danny Pinter make his first career NFL start in his first ever game played at center and be in the NFL against a great defensive tackle in Jeffrey Simmons mm-hmm. over for Tennessee. Like, that's a huge task to ask anybody. That's a huge task to ask Ryan Kelly. Right. And you've had to ask this of a guy of a rookie fifth round pick. Like the the Colts were, were it was tough sledding as it were. Right. Um, losing all those guys. And then after Anthony Costanza, it was really, really rough. Um, but remember, even with all those guys that were out, the Colts were 14-14 prior to that Costanza injury. Or right before that Costanza injury. And, and so, and so, yeah. I think I think it's just as important to point out 
that as bad as all of that sounds, 26 points missing your center, your left tackle, your running back, like, think about that. That's a different ball game if, the, if that doesn't happen. And it goes to, again, we need to move on. I need to move on. But it shows me that the Jacoby Brissett's involvement in the Colts' offense is at best questionable. Like, his, his necessity, like, him being there is symbolic at best and has a lot more downside than, than what, you, what you even saw last week, right? Like, it ha- there's more downside coming. It's not just a fumble and an injury to a player – Right, that gets masked by well, he had three touches and two touchdowns or whatever, or whatever. I'm just saying, like there, there's more downside coming the more he's involved. And I just, I wish, I wish I felt like it wasn't uh, the Colts seeding touches to him to justify his cost. Right? Is that the, is that what we're doing? Because if I were Jacoby, I would be insulted, frankly. But like I said, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, the Colts play the Texans this week. Um, you go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of sort some sort some uh, pylons and and I'll, and I'll get right back to you after we I listen yeah. to you. tell me about what you think here, buddy. Okay, so the Texans as a whole are not a great team. They they're struggling. Bill O'Brien really gutted this roster. Um, they played a lot better under Romeo Cornell. Um, You've seen Deshaun Watson. He is probably a top three, at least a top five, at worst a top five uh, quarterback in the NFL right now, if not for him being on a dumpster fire of a team. Uh, He would probably be in the MVP discussion at this point. That's how good he's played. Uh, Texans, however, lost, uh, I believe, their top cornerback and uh, their top wide receiver, Will Fuller, to performance-enhancing drug suspension uh, this week. So they'll be without those two players. They just recently um, cut another wide receiver. They've got, like, just, a, I think, three wide receivers that, like, Brandon Cooks, Kiki Kuti, and I. there's another one that starts at the C, and I don't remember what their name is. Mm-hmm. Um, offensive line for Houston's been shaky at best. Um, so the, the Colts defensive line, the Colts defense should have a good game if they're able to contain Deshaun Watson. Um, and this is what I've said before. This is, this is the big thing with Patrick Mahomes. This is a big thing with Lamar Jackson. It's the same thing with, with Deshaun Watson. You have to keep him in the pocket. Uh, if you let him scramble, same thing with really with Baker Mayfield, what happened in the Colts earlier this year, if they scramble and they can extend plays, their receivers, even as bad as their receivers are, will find holes in your defense. Just because they, even if they're bad, they're still NFL wide receivers. Um, and so if you give Deshaun Watson time or he's able to manufacture time, it could be a, a rough day for the defense. I think what they'll do is, is what they've done in the past and use Darius Leonard as a spy uh, to be able to keep track of Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the the Houston defense, they aren't what they used to be. Um, J.J. Watt is pretty much mostly all they've gotten at this point. They lost uh, 
Oh, their man. big nose tackle to Cincinnati, yeah. DJ Reader, um, in the past offseason. Uh, they haven't been good, I believe, against the run or the pass, really. Um, yeah. And so the Colts' offense should be able to put, put up some points. This is oh, yeah. the big concern, I think, that I have with this game um, is at the offensive line for the Colts. You, you have Ryan Kelly coming back, but you're going to have to start LaRaven Clark there at left tackle which is scary uh, for this team. And uh, the Colts have a terrible record when Anthony Costanzo does not play. You know that they're going to line J.J. Watt right up there at that right defensive end position because that goes against the left tackle on the offense. And they're going to see what the Colts do to stop him. If they're going to keep Mo Ali Cox over there to help chip, they're going to have to keep an extra blocker in somehow, or they're going to have to um, be able to slide Quentin Nelson over for help. I think if I'm the Texans, what I do is I blitz in the middle to keep Quentin Nelson tied up. Yeah. Um, so you have so you force the one-on-one um, on, on that left tackle position because you know the Raven Clark's been not great. And then... You just see if the Colts can adapt. Um, yeah. I think this might be a game where you see a lot of quick passes to like a DeMichael Harris or a Michael Pittman, um, or you'll see some dump off balls to Neem Hines. I think you're going to see a lot of quick three, five step drops just to get the ball out of Phillip Rivers' hands quickly so he can start to build confidence mm-hmm. with the Raven Clark over there at the left tackle position. Uh, this is a game in Houston. Um, down at uh, T.Y. Hilton Stadium. And so if you have T.Y. Hilton in fantasy, probably play him. Probably for play him. reason, he always seems to blow up in Houston. And he um, just had four for 81 and a touch in the prior game, including a 50-yard 50, 50 reception. Um, while, while it's still fresh on my mind, and I do mean to interrupt, and I do apologize. No, no worries. I love Deshaun Watson. I, I really wanted the Colts to so, trade. So. trade Think him about before. how the Colts are set up to trade for him and absolutely fleece the Texans. I'm going to set this up for you. Hold on. They're not going to trade him interdivision without Bill O'Brien there. Bill O'Brien would have, but not anymore. They don't have. But I want to hear it, but I want to hear it. So hear this it. is a conspiracy theory. I know. I know you're going to be like, "There's no way, dude." It's first of all, first of all, first of all, dude. It's the Texans. I understand O'Bill Bryan's not there, but they are in such bad shape. Such bad shape. That I bet you the Colts could trade them quarterback for quarterback and a draft pick or two and walk away smiling. And everyone else is like, there's no way, right? And I'm talking about like, and I'm going to make something up. Let's just say Jacoby for Deshaun Watson plus two seconds and a third. Not not a chance. No, here here's here's my here's what I'll say this. So you they need the picks. First, they first have off, no future. None. Right now, but here here's my here's here's my counter for you. They Jacoby Brissett is yeah I do. Jacoby Brissett is a uh, free agent after this year. So the Colts would have to franchise tag him. And at that point, nobody is going to trade for Jacoby Brissett. 
That's why I was um, thinking Philip Rivers retires, Jacoby gets so, franchise. Here, here's my here's my thoughts on this. If the Colts were to trade for Deshaun Watson, everybody at this point knows that Houston does not have a first and second round pick this year. Right. Uh, or in the upcoming NFL draft, they traded it to Miami um, right. in that that ridiculous trade um, <laughs> um, for Laramie Tunsil. Um, and so they, they don't have that first and second round pick this year. So if I'm the Colts, what I offer up to to Houston is first and second round pick this year, and a first round pick next year. And that might get it done for Deshaun Watson. And then, and I, and we can continue, but I wanted to stop you all. It was fresh in my mind and say, by the way, just going by the numbers, man, whoever is that Houston quarterback is very good at his job. And it kind of made me have a little tear in my eye because I was like, damn, think about his ceiling on a good team. And like, if they like, didn't trade oh, away Desha- uh, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. And he's still really good. He has no weapons at all. And he's still going to dice us up. I'm projecting, like, above 265 um, for Deshaun Watson, which is nothing. Um, for passing? Yeah. Yeah, I'd put him up there. Because, I yeah. mean, with the way that Colts play defense, I think he can find some soft spots in the zone to, oh, to get pick up some yards. Um, and, yeah. So... That's not to say the Colts won't win. I actually think the Colts will win this football game without Anthony Costanzo. Here's why. If there's any, and most of this is hyperbole and meant to make you laugh, so please laugh because that's about all we got left. The Colts being without Anthony Costanzo is going to force the Colts to get the ball out of Anthony Costanzo's hands quickly because who really wants to get hit by J.J. Watt full speed other than my wife? Okay. The reality is, who knows better about get, having to get rid of the rock quickly because your world's about to end than Philip Rivers? Am I right? This is the mm-hmm, dude sir. that played for the entirety of his career running for his friggin' life talking crap from the sideline because he had to punt again because he had no protection. This is a guy that – this is the kid fighting from the sand lot, Right. And then comes to Indianapolis where he's got the golden, you know, the golden fence in front of him. Right. Which, as a result, we've learned is golden. Right. It looks great. And it at times it does its thing, but ultimately it can be beaten and it needs reinforced. And remember, if we're saying it and seeing it, it's happening behind the scenes. The Colts need to double down on that offensive line for for sure, because now. The defense's line and the defense and the linebackers and the cornerbacks and the safeties, that thing sounds like it's all kind of coming together, kids, to be frank. The defense on this team sounds pretty solved to me. You can always get better, sure, Jared. But listen, that offensive line needs help. And the quarterback position has to be resolved. And this week, you know. Philip Rivers knows what this feels like, being down a man or two and being on the road and playing against a, a, a J.J. Watt-type player, knowing you got to get rid of the rock. And it just so happens, in my opinion, that works in what has been successful for the Colts this year anyway. It works in that favor. 
And so what I'm voting for in conscious in conscience conscience is that we refer to short passes as runs because that's effectively what they are now for the Colts when the Colts are going to skew their offensive line to double a guy to get the ball out quickly, probably a lot of running back touches. So if you have uh, Wilkins or Hines, these are good times to deploy those, uh, especially as the seasons kind of grind on. Everybody knows the Colts' backfields have been particularly productive uh, late in seasons. As, you know, as Mac wore down or as guys in the past have wore down late in seasons, the backups have, have carried the load. Um, but I don't know that the Colts are going to be running this ball a lot. And here's why. Doing a little research while you were talking, um, the Texans don't turn the ball over. They also don't force turnovers. So to me, it sounds like they don't have a lot of talent. Um, And that's offense and defense. And they're heavily invested in two spots. That kind of tale tells itself, right? Watson and Watt, mm-hmm. right? the, the, bench, the benchmarks of these, of these teams. And the crazy thing about football that makes it such an interesting football uh, game is uh, a game like football is so interesting is J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson having good games on the same days frequently equals a win. So while I don't know that there is a good way to defend Deshaun Watson – uh, perfectly is about the only acceptable answer. You have to do it perfectly. Otherwise, you're going to get roasted um, because he is he is nimble on his feet. He's smart and knows when to run with the rock. Uh, he, keeps himself, he keeps himself on his feet and his uniform clean, and he throws from a nice base, and he throws with velocity and good timing and heli accuracy, and he had one of the best targets of all time to throw to for years to practice, and now he's throwing... Uh, two lame ducks. So uh, while I expect the Colts to win, this is going to be a shootout, and I'm calling it now. I would take the over on whatever this game is. Um, I think that the Colts um, are good at fighting a fair fight, and that the Colts are built for the playoffs. The Colts are built to play against other good teams. The Colts are not built to play good football against a, a rough, what I'm effectually calling like a rough shot offense. Guys that were probably picking up your trash last week are going to be runner routes for the Texans. And of course, that's not actually what's happening. I hope not, dear God. But uh, the reality is that on the for the Colts, I think the Colts have a little better personnel on offense and absolutely have a better defense. So... We may not have a better quarterback. That's not saying much. Deshaun Watson's like top two or three in the NFL in a lot of categories. Uh, We have a better quarterback situation now than we did last year. Uh, And given a a toe injury to Rivers and the fact that he's still playing and we're down a left tackle, like I said, might as well call short passes runs from now on because that's what that offense is going to look like. And then... If that foot injury lingers and also Costanzo uh, doesn't come back right away or misses a couple weeks, that could change the offense for the rest of the season. So that's something to think, keep in mind uh, as you're watching the game and thinking about how, what is what is happening now and how does it affect uh, what happens in the future. Uh, and and as, as always, Stephen, correct me when I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, the, the 
Texans do not force turnovers, and they don't give the ball up. So the onus is on the Colts to not turn the ball over and to force turnovers. So that's sort of a, you know, an immovable force means it meets an unstoppable object or whatever um, kind of thing. Uh, I, but like I said, the, the strength for me is it, the people outside of Phillip Rivers on offense that touch the ball are better on the whole than the Texans. And I trust them more to carry, and I'm obviously using air quotes, uh, the Colts to victory. Because I think that's what exactly what you said. You're going to have to get these guys... Uh, uh, what is it being called now? Interesting touches. Um, and, and I think uh, you're going to have to get guys like the Michael Harris, interesting touches, uh, guys that are just a touch more athletic than other people on the field and try to get them into space. Because ultimately, uh, the, the reality now is as the season goes on and injuries occur and COVID strikes... Um, what, what the goal for every team is going to be, I don't know if anybody's figured this out yet, is you're going to try to get your best athlete with the ball in his hand running as fast as he can into the end zone on any given play. So that's like generally the idea. Um, and I just think the Colts have those people, and I just do not believe the Houston Texans employ those particularly particular individuals. That isn't to say that uh, Deshaun Watson won't generate offense, right? It's, it's not to say that they can't score. They're actually pretty damn good at it. They just ain't doing it on the ground, which the Colts are good at stopping the run. It's done in the air. The Colts are dicey in the secondary, and that's not necessarily an availability thing or this guy hasn't been healthy and, oh, we've been – I mean, Kari Willis is out, and, yes, that's, that's a negative thing. Um, but really the the Colts cornerbacks should have a great week here. Like, So I'll say this. You, you talked about the – Houston's probably not going to have a great running game today because they, they aren't a great running offense, period. Um, period. I'll, They're worse than the Colts, and the Colts are like 30th in the NFL. Yeah. The, the thing about the Colts' pass is uh, – or pass defense that – people need to consider is that DeForest Buckner being in there changes that entire unit. Um, and Danico Autry being back changes that entire unit. And so the Colts in general are able to get pressure on most quarterbacks and collapse the pocket in the quarterback space with only four guys. You keep um, Darius Leonard in there to, to spy Deshaun Watson. They're not going to have a lot of time. Um, and so I think the Colts are going to have an opportunity to get a lot, get a couple turnovers in this game. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a tip ball, similar like that, picked off by the Colts in return for a touchdown um, by this defense, just because they they are opportunistic when given the given the opportunity. They are opportunistic. Um, there they take advantage of of what's given to them. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the a couple turnovers for the Colts defense. Um, but it's scary because the Colts' weakness is the Houston Texans' strength when it comes to offense or defense versus offense. Um, and so that's going to be the interesting part. I, I think that you're going to see um, Rocky Scene get a bunch of snaps this week um, to try to boost up his his morale if it's down. Um, and what people forget is Rocky Scene got called for um, bad – bad penalty against 
Green Bay that, oddly enough, the officials in that game didn't call the exact same call against Green Bay when it was the Colts wide receiver, but then called that against the Colts when it was the Green Bay wide receiver. Right. Um, but earlier in that game, Rakusin baited Aaron Rodgers, arguably the best quarterback currently playing. Um, actually, I would probably put him as, well, Patrick Mahomes there, but you know, Aaron Rodgers is top two, top three quarterback uh, yeah. of the past decade. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty safe. He baited him and picked him off. Yeah. Like, that's a heck of a play. That was a smart play by Rocky Scene. Um, and so, you know, yeah, he's had a couple really high profile issues uh, or, or had high profile uh, mistakes, uh, but his play as a whole hasn't been. It's tough because, like, you see stories from like the guys at Indy Star and things like that that say, you know, well, when quarterbacks target Rakusin, they have like a 96.9 uh, QBR, which is the same as Tom Brady's uh, career quarterback rating. Um, and I'm like, that's super misleading, but whatever. Um, yeah. He he really. He's been targeted by quarterbacks because he probably is the weaker of the three of the Colts starting quarterbacks. So it makes sense that he's getting targeted more. Yeah. Um, but when the completions that he's giving up, they aren't always for big gains. Uh, the defense gives up short completions and that's just the defense. That That's how they, they normally play. It's also tough because they play. I think the Colts are number one in the league in terms of percentage of defensive snaps played in cover two. So it's hard to say, talk about a guy being in coverage and hit the QBR against him when they're playing a zone defense, like he's playing a zone. He's not, you know, going man to man. And so there's, there's a couple of things to consider when you were talking about Rocky scene and his inconsistent play. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, be as concerned as it is as people are like going like we 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 get him out get him out there's no. a fire get him no. out no, 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 um, no. I, I don't like that idea um, no, but like, I, I think the defense has a great opportunity this week to to get some pressure on Deshaun Watson have him make some mistakes and get a, a big divisional win in Texas um down in Houston yeah. um because the Colts have got to win this week um, in order to stay in the race for the division right now, the them and the and the Titans, Titans have a one game lead. They no longer have the, the Colts no longer have the tiebreaker of the head to head. So the Colts will need to win one more game than the Titans in order to take over the division lead probably in the season. Uh, to be fair, I think that the Titans will win one game for the rest of the year, they'll, they'll end up finishing one and four um, <laughs> because Mike Vrabel has only finished nine and seven in every single year as his head coach his head coaching. And so finishing above that would be just totally out of the norm and take away from his status is slightly better than Jeff Fisher. Um, right. And so, yeah, I, I, I do think that the Titans do have a couple games that are, are, questionable down the stretch um you've got cleveland you've got um green bay um and so those aren't going to be easy games for the titans and if the colts can can win out 
um, they can overtake Tennessee in the division. And if Tennessee loses to Cleveland and Green Bay, the Colts then would potentially have tiebreakers over them in terms of common opponents. There's a whole big mess of, of how this this all plays out if the, the Colts and, and Titans are tied. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just the, the Colts really need to win this week. Yeah. And that's ultimately where it stands. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the reality is, like, every, every week it would be really important to win, you know, the game that's in front of you. And the reality is, for far too many people, their individual mistakes frequently do cost them their jobs. And it's for that reason, I have to, I have to guess... That's why you hear people being so reactionary to a singular error on the field of play that's sort of a, even a remote, really questionable situation. And the people that are least likely to have put on football pads are the ones saying, bench him. And the reality is, I would much rather have someone with a wrestling background that was given an award for toughness trying to figure out how to play with some grace. Um, And I would liken it to a high school or freestyle wrestler who, as you get older and you get to the higher levels of freestyle wrestling, um, what ends up happening when you take someone down is there's a lot of like guys trying to hip lock you and, um, you know, knee, you know, knee, t- put you in like a knee hold and and like hurt you in order to gain an advantage. And the alternative to that very physical style of wrestling, as a result, is Greco-Roman, where you aren't allowed to take people down like that. You have to basically fight on your feet. And as a result, there's a lot, there's a a whole flow to it. Um, I wrestled for years, and so, and so I'm, I'm, te- I'm using this as an allegory to say I would much rather be Rocky Sin trying to figure out how to be gentle and how to, and how to, and how to transition from being really tough and, and grimy and grindy. That's what's got you here, and that work ethic is what's going to keep him here. But on the field of battle, and in the, you got to make the right play in that moment, and it's not always – obviously, it's never anything less than 100% of what you have – but like he needs to make more of the decisions that equal the baiting of a pick by one of the best quarterbacks in football and less of the giving up penalties in the end zone and in other, in other situations too. Um, but he's in, in such a, a, an important spot and it, it's exactly what you said. He may be the least experienced, least talented cornerback uh, on the field at times. And that's not necessarily at his detriment. That's speaking to the quality of player around him. Like Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore are two of the most lauded secondary players in the NFL. Everybody loves those guys. They're great, valuable players that make uh, game-changing plays. Rock Yassin is up in that conversation. And that obviously that pick against Aaron Rodgers is, again, something we need to see a lot more of. And... One of the things I'm making a habit of uh, in here to close out 2020 and 2021, and I hope that our listeners and Stephen Reed, I hope you'll join me, is share the good stuff. So often we are quick to 
share an argument and put someone on blast and 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 I, I want to be at odds with this individual over their stupid opinion. Um, and I think what's better and what I'm going to focus on is sharing the the good points that people make and the good things that people make because I think that's that's a better conversation to push than trying to because basically instead of observing social media as a dunk a dunk contest, which is what it's become, right? In this particular dunk contest, what if we were still trying to share? Oh, but this is actually a creative dunk. Right. Like there's actually something going on here as opposed to like the shallow. Oh, this person makes shit takes. So here we are dealing with their Chinese food. Right. Um, but the reality, the reality is uh, Rock Yassin is a fine, fine football player and is going to be here for quite a while. And I would get used to it. And I think that he's going to have great games and I think he's going to make mistakes. And I'll say it in the same breath. I, lo I love the guy either way. He brings it every week either way. And I think this defense particularly brings it every week either way. Um, and this is this is absolutely a week where I, I am, you know, the more we um, really sit and think about how we think games are going to go, I become more conservative only because as you observe trend over time, things become more normal, right? There, there are ranges of things that you expect to happen. Um, because if you had just asked me before we sat here and spoke about it, off the top of my head, I'd have said, oh, the, the Colts win, uh, probably not going to be close. Um, and the reality is, it's actually probably going to be a pretty close game. And it's like you said, the Colts cannot turn the ball over and are going to have to force turnovers. And those just happen to be, strangely, Houston doesn't turn the ball over and they also don't force turnovers. So it's almost like I said, the Colts are are fortunate that their opponent's not good at taking the ball away. Does that make sense? I hope that that's tracking. Like, the Texans aren't going to take it from you. They don't They do not do it at all, hardly. They have, like, single-digit turnovers through double-digit weeks. Do math. They don't. They literally don't force turnovers. So um, they don't force turnovers. They don't run the ball well at all. They're, they're, they're real bad. So those things mean the Colts get the ball with a ton of time when it matters, right? So that's what the, one of the other things you want to frame, right? Because the way games go, you really want to know. The Colts play terribly in the first half, make great second-half adjustments, and bail themselves out time and time again, particularly on defense. And eventually, lightning strikes, and the Colts' offense looks semi-productive. Fortunately for the Colts, it's worked out like 70% of the time thus far, with the exception of last week when nobody showed up. Now, this week, you have the on-the-road, similarly uh, down a man, have to fight a, a team who's down several, uh, including ownership and management. Um, so really, I, it's a perfect storm where this could be an interesting contest. I expect, I expect because of how, how I feel about Deshaun Watson, I expect that's how he'll play because I feel like I have grown people expectations of other people. Right, regardless of what's going on around him, he's a consummate professional. Uh, and similarly with Philip Rivers, with a toe injury and missing a left tackle, I can bet you that he spent a lot of this week trying to see how fast he could get that ball out of his friggin' hand. You know what I mean? Because that's what I would be doing. Like, I, I want you think I could do it in less than a second? <laughs> like, like, do you, do you think I could do it before he gets a, his paw on me? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's there's real there's a real fear there. 
where I would be trying to protect myself as much as possible just because you don't want something that big and that heavy hitting you full speed. That's like not, that's, that's the, uh, that's what we're trying to avoid. Right. So let's pick these games and get out of here. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Okay, brother. So, Hey, there wasn't a Thursday night game, which is why we didn't mind waiting until Friday. And with all this COVID stuff going on, I don't have a problem waiting to do our podcast because I kind of wanted to see if there were any late things that changed uh, largely our conversations and any other content I put out, right? Um, but on Sunday, hey, the Saints play at the Falcons. Who do you think wins that game? New Orleans, a three-point favorite on the road. Take the ball. Take the Saints. Take the Saints to cover on the road and the over. Is 46, so you take that too. Um, just gonna do that for every game. And then the Lions play at the Bears. Uh, Bears are a three point favorite at home. I would take the Bears. Uh, uh, God, they've just been so bad lately. Well, and, and consider this the Lions just released one of their better young wide receivers in Marvin Hall. Like, they're going full dumpster fire. Okay, Burn so they're, like, trying, they're trying to give up? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, it seems like they're trying to, to get down there. Uh, in, get, I don't make, know, get, another, get rid of Stafford, get another quarterback, something like that? I honestly do. Like, I, I think that that's what the, the plan is right now. So let's take, um, let's take the Bears to win at home. Uh, they are a three-point favorite, so do, that with, do with that information what you will. Um, the Browns play at the Titans. Uh, Tennessee is a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I would take the Browns all day. I'm going to take the Browns. All friggin' day. They just got better personnel over there, and lightning's like, going to strike for them eventually Tennessee, anyway, too. This Tennessee, year, Tennessee is an aberration. Tennessee has gotten so incredibly lucky. This is I, I've had the same, same discussion with regards to Pittsburgh is they've got so incredibly lucky in terms of when they play teams yeah. and who's available for those teams due to the pandemic. Like Tennessee got their game against Pittsburgh just kind of pushed back a little bit okay. versus having to forfeit despite flaunting the COVID rules. They never right. faced any repercussions other than having their bye week moved from week seven to week four. Right. Um, beyond that, they haven't faced any any backlash or any issues with with COVID or had had any other major major qualms with it, and yet every other team they faced, it, it feels like the week leading up to that game they've had a massive issue. And I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there that Pittsburgh and Tennessee are planting people. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take the Browns in this game. It's not fun to joke about and stuff like that, but still. And then, uh, so after the Browns beat the Titans, brother, which are, and I agree with you, the Bengals and Dolphins play. Who do you think wins that game? The Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins are double-digit favorites at home. And then the really? Jags play, yeah. And then the Jags play at the Vikings. Vikings are 10-point favorites at home. Who do you think wins? I'm going to take the Vikings. Me too. And then, I don't know about, I, and, and I don't know about that 10 points. And then the Raiders play at the Jets. Raiders are eight and a half point favorites on the road. I think the Raiders win. I think the Raiders win, but I think it'd be really funny if the Jets got their first win against Oakland. Because somehow Oakland always seems to just kind of drop a game. They do something should not. weird. Uh, yeah. And it's usually on the East Coast. Yeah. So 
Everybody does that, right? Oh, it's not Oakland. Las Vegas. College? Um, Las Vegas does this every year. So and then yeah. the Rams play at the Cardinals and are a three-point favorite. Who do you think wins that game? The Rams with the Cardinals are a three-point favorite. I think the Cardinals win that game. Yeah, that's what I was kind of looking at. You get three points for being the home team. And then, to me, there are upswings and downswings. And I think this is an upswing week for the Cardinals and just hitting a down week for the Rams. I'm just seeing it, you know, almost like a clairvoyance, but not really. And then the Giants play at the Seahawks. Seahawks are an 11-point favorite, so we think the Seahawks will win. And then yep. that's a terrible Seahawks. game, by the way. Uh, and then the Eagles play at the Packers. Packers are an 8.5-point favorite. Pretty sure the Packers win. Packers. And then the 5-6 and six Patriots play at the 3-8 and eight Chargers. Chargers are 1.5-point favorites at home. Who do you think wins this game? I'm going to take the Patriots because Bill Belichick almost never loses to rookie quarterbacks. I'm going to take the Chargers because the Patriots are flying across the country and playing this game in Inglewood, and 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 the Chargers are actually pretty healthy and talented on offense, and the Patriots are just not. And then the Broncos. Yeah, but here, here's the stat. I think like the Patriots, like Bill Belichick is like rookie quarterbacks or some like four and twenty-four against Bill Belichick. Is Justin Herbert your average rookie quarterback, though? Uh, no, no, but it, that four and twenty-four doesn't take into to consideration average quarterbacks. It just takes into quarterbacks. It makes me wonder. It makes me wonder who those quarterbacks were. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. And then the Broncos play the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Is the Chiefs like a 13-point favorite at this point? 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. be a couple I'm going to take the Chiefs, by the way, in case yeah. that wasn't clear. And then on Monday night, there are two football games. The Steelers and the Washington football team play at 5 o'clock. Uh, Steelers yep. are a 7-point favorite. Steelers. Steelers win at home. And then at 8.15 on Monday night, the Bills and 49ers play, so it's the 8-3 Bills at the 5-6 49ers. It's at even odds, by the way. I take San Francisco in this game. Really? I'm going to take Buffalo. And then here's, here's my rationale on taking San Francisco. So this game, with COVID travel restrictions, yep. teams are not flying out the day before, two days before. Uh, they're, they're, well, let me rephrase. They're flying out the day before. So Buffalo's flying out to cross country, West Coast, San Francisco, um, playing in an 815 game. Um, and so they're well, yeah, it's it's tough. Um I mean the line's even, so it's like you waffling on it isn't unquestionable, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. unreasonable. I just feel like San Francisco probably could will win this game. Sure. Just because of the traveling all the way across the country, not really getting a time to, to settle in. And then on Tuesday night, what? The Cowboys play at the Ravens. Who do you think wins that game? Uh, the Ravens do. Yeah, I agree with you. It could, be, then, it could honestly be like Trace McSorley versus like Andy Dalton or Tony DiNicchio or whatever his name is. Um, like it could be the worst quarterback matchup in NFL history. 
um, in this game if the Ravens don't get players back from COVID. And then, brother, at 1 o'clock on Sunday, the Indianapolis Colts, 7-4, and four, play at the Houston Texans, 4-7, and seven, and the Colts are three-point favorites. Who do you think wins this game? I think the Colts win this game. So do I. And that tells you, like, Vegas putting the Colts at three-point favorites tells you that they think the Colts should probably win by about six, given the three points for the home team. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so and that is absolutely a, a deep joke that people need explained to them. See, the reason that's funny is because NRG Stadium is commonly referred to as the house that T.Y. built. And... Um, on Sunday, the Colts are three-point favorites on the road, and there's a gambling rule that says the home team gets three points. And since, see, T.Y. is an Indianapolis Colt, this means that on Sunday, NRG Stadium is still the house that T.Y. built. So that's a home game. Go Colts. I actually think the Colts are going to blow the Texans out because the Colts... If they have anything solved on this defense, I just said it earlier in this podcast, did I not? It is their defense. That defense is real good when everybody's playing. And they're playing indoors. And they're playing indoors. And the offense they're playing against is shorthanded. They have no running game. They have wide receivers that are off the street. And I'm not saying that to denigrate whoever ends up winding up a wide receiver. And I understand how... Suspension of Will Fuller... Like, yeah. The Titans offense is completely different without Will Fuller. That's what I'm kind of getting at. Like, think about all of the times that the Colts have beaten the Texans because the Texans could not move the ball down the field in chunks. They didn't have that. They they could they could sort of dink us and dunk us, but they couldn't gain enough yards to score quickly in a timely fashion. And what ends up happening when you can't do that is you get worn out and end up kicking field goals. You get tired and make yeah. Right. Well, so, and so the, the only times the Texans really have beaten the Colts in recent years has been because of big plays. Um, yeah. And and they just don't they no longer have the possession receiver that's able to pick up those first downs when they need them to. Yeah. And they no longer have the big play guy. So, I mean, again, Deshaun Watson should be an MVP candidate this year with the way he's been playing. Agreed. fact is, the team sucks, so he's not. Um, he's might have a lot of leverage coming into this off season um, to try to get himself out. Um, but okay. yeah, I, I think the Colts, Colts win this game. Um, if we're looking at scores, I'm going to say, just so you know, 50 is the over under 50 is the over under. I was going to say 31, 17. Um, yeah. So I was going to put it at 48. Yeah. And that's about where I was on that. Similarly, a, a, a pretty, comfortable margin uh i think the colts get out in front and just are able to stay in front um as long again as long as you as and and again i want to make sure we hammer this point home because it's so simple that it's stupid if we we are not even journalists we we are podcasters and if we are sitting here pontificating at length about hey J.J. Watt is going to eat Philip Rivers for lunch without Constanzo unless we get the ball out of Philip Rivers' hands. Like, that is not a complex situation 
that you know is happening. You know they have had long conversations about, hey, how fast can I get rid of the football? Yeah, I think this game's going to be um, – it, it, it should be a good win for the Colts. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I'll if be, anybody knows about that, it's Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers knows exactly this situation. He's been – he was in this – he was in this mud for a decade. And that's yeah. what I was – that I told you earlier, we're in the mud. The Colts so, I'll be interested to see how the coaching staff game plans. I, I, I think you're right. I think they'll try to get it out of his hands. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah. And just uh, as a reminder, everybody, uh, follow us on the Twitter machine. Uh, Jared at Likely Alien, uh, myself, Nice Read Steve, follow the podcast, Pod Pancake. Awesome. And then remember to rate and review us five stars uh, wherever you listen and record and download your podcasts uh, from any legitimate or illegitimate site. <laughs> podcast is free. You get it for free. In any case, hey, wear a mask. Stay safe out there. Go Colts. <laughs>